0: We all know that the world of the paranormal is hiding from us. Is it possible now we know how they're doing it? When a young boy starts misbehaving in Brazil, you just assume he's going to get a spanking. Instead, he's cursed with immortal life. And then we take a look at a bizarre story from an apocryphal book of the Bible. When the Apostle Peter was traveling from town to town spreading the teachings of Jesus Christ, he was hoping to convert people to christianity that was kind of of his job but instead he ran into seven angels in the middle of the city but he quickly surmised these weren't any angels they were fallen angels today on dead rabbit radio Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. Those introductions, for some reason, are getting way rougher than they used to be. I don't know, but I'm still having fun doing the show. Hope you guys are still having fun listening. And I know someone who's having fun is our newest Patreon supporter. He's a wild and crazy guy, having tons of fun. It's Ultrasound 700. Nothing but sound waves penetrating the building of Dead Rabbit Command. We can't see him. We can't... Actually, that leads into our first story, but for right now, we can't see him. He's vibrating us to the bones. Ultrasound 700, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, or if you have a corporeal form, that's okay, too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Ultrasound, wobble, wobble 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 is vibrating in just the right frequency that now we can see them appear. Ultrasound, I'm going to toss you the keys to the... Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. We have to go off roading for this. So we're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed out to the jungle. <laughs> Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy is headed off to. I don't think a Dune Buggy works really well in a jungle, but somehow we're able to make it. As ultrasounds driving, we all have machetes. We're, chop- we're chopping vines at 60 miles an hour, but we're there. We're in the jungle. And in the jungle, we're going to meet. Another Patreon supporter, Elkie. Elkie actually supported the show. Did we give Ultrasound 700 a round of applause? I don't know if I forgot that. There it is, a lonely clap in the jungle. I'll edit that out if I did. If it's in there, then it's in there. But anyways, Elky, he's in the jungle. He's getting attacked by a constrictor. But Elky's the one who recommended this story uh, to me. So thank you very much, Elky. I thought it was pretty interesting. He shared with me this Reddit post, and this is basically what it was. It's a photo of a green tiger. Now, it's not some cool new cryptid. That'd actually be kind of lame if it was just a, just a tiger, but green. But anyways, it's a green tiger. And it's how... This is really interesting. Otherwise, I wouldn't be reporting it. It's how ungulates see tigers. So an ungulate, if you don't know, because I didn't, is a hoofed animal. And a lot of them are red, green, colorblind. So they can't see orange as orange. They see orange as green. And tigers are famously orange. The, basically, they look like the jungle. <laughs> basically, if you have red, green color, you can't see a tiger. It's really, really interesting. I recommend checking the show notes out to take a look at this photograph. It's what a tiger would look like to a hoofed animal. It's invisible. Like, if it was perfectly still, actually, now that I think about it, do, do animals know what tigers look like? Like a baby goat, even an adult goat, like an adu- a goat from Bolivia, would he know what a tiger looked like? Like, if he was walking through the jungle, he's like, oh no, I took a wrong turn. He's in the middle of the jungle of Africa. What do you know what a tiger looked like? I wonder if predators have a smell to them. Like, they smell like death. They smell like like dead goats. Because a goat from Bolivia, I would assume, would be like, "Uh uh-oh, it's about to get real. Like, I've never been to this part of Africa before. (laughs) I lost my map. I should have listened to that tour guide when he said stay on the trail. But I know something's about to eat me. I wonder if a goat from one country... Would recognize a predator from another country. If you took a wild boar from um, America and put him in Komodo, that Komodo island full of the Komodo dragons, would the wild boar just like wander around and then eventually get bit and die? Or would he know something was up? If you've never faced that predator before, would you be prepared? Because humans are dumb. Humans will just like just wander into a forest and be like, oh, I like hiking. I'm a hippie and I enjoy the earth. And then something jumps out of the bushes and eats them. Army hammer. (laughs) Army. They're hiking through the Hollywood Hills. But humans will do stupid stuff and they'll go up and they'll pet things that like will eat them. So would a goat do that? But anyways, anyways, look that up. biologist, look that up. Even if they could do that, the point is, is that they couldn't see it. But let's say they could see it. I'm saying would they recognize the silhouette of a tiger? We can look at the photo and go, oh, there's a tiger in that picture. It's not completely invisible. But an animal, they would just see uh, vines. They would just see like this big lump of grass and things. (laughs) They're like, oh, I'm I'm a vegetarian. I love grass. art art." And they go to eat it and the tiger eats them. The point of the story is not my complete ignorance of biology and sociology of animals. The point of the story is this, the implications of paranormal activity. I found this very fascinating. Again, Elkie, thanks for sending this over. I did a little more research on this. Actually, I didn't. When I was looking through the Reddit posts, is what I meant to say. There was someone who, uh, by the name of I Wish My Boyfriend Was a Dog Man, which I don't think they mean a literal dog man, but that would be cool which my boyfriend is a dog Man. Post a link to an article, there are a very, very, very small subset of human women, only women can have this, that are reverse, reverse colorblind. So most humans have three types of cone cells in their eyes. Colorblinds only have two functioning ones and a mutant one. And there's been a theory for a long time that the daughters of colorblind people may have three working ones and one mutant one. In theory, they could see more colors than the average person. In fact, 99 million more colors than the average person, but they would never know it. They assumed everyone sees like that. I have double vision. I assumed everyone saw like me. I felt like everyone had to concentrate to bring everything together. That was just normal. It wasn't until I was 16 when I figured that out. And this was, again, just a theory until 2007. They were able to find one woman in the United Kingdom. They could verify had this condition. She has three regular cones like a normal person. But as the child of someone who was colorblind, she also inherited the mutant cone. And there is a specialized test that can create a color that even the people who created the test can't see the color. But if you have this mutant gene, you can see this color up here. Fascinating science stuff, but what does any of this have to do with ghosts and goblins? We don't only talk about ghosts and goblins on this show. We do talk about interesting science stuff. But this leads back to that. What if the world of the paranormal isn't trying to hide from us? What if they're literally a green tiger? Like, the tiger didn't choose to be green it didn't wake up one day and go i think i'm going to evolve to become an apex predator i mean technically it did but i don't want to get started on evolution again because i always go sideways when i talk about that it happens through evolution what if the world of the paranormal isn't actively hiding from us they literally can't be seen by us not by their own choice it's always this idea of the shadows standing behind us the gap woman in our cupboard the creepy hand the boogeyman the boogeyman might want to be be your buddy still don't trust the voice in your closet but the boogeyman may want to be visible but it can't be so is it possible that the world of the paranormal is there we just can't see it and we have all these people who claim to be mediums and they see spirits and stuff like that. And I give some of them credit. I've known real people who could see spirits. Obviously, I've seen ghosts. But I've known people who have claimed to be mediums who have backed it up. I think a lot of them are fraudulent, but I don't think all of them are fraudulent. Same thing with remote viewers. I think there are some people who know how to do it. I think there's some people who can actually do telepathy and things like that. But most of the people who claim to do that, I'd say 99% of them are fraudulent or mistaken. But what if it comes down to the fact that they don't have this connection to the veil, that they don't have any sort of spiritual training? What if they were just born with a different set of eyeballs or a different genetic ear or a different nose? There's a thing where you can smell the future. We'll do that. (laughs) We'll do that in another topic at some point. I have a story about being able to smell the future. My point is, is that it could be something that you can't really train yourself to do. You're either born with that extra mutant cone... Where you could see it or not. And those are the people who can see the ghosts. And they don't really understand why other people can't see ghosts all the time. Because they see them all the time. Maybe they actually have something different in their eyeballs. And the way evolution works is that will enough of these ungulates. A great, now I'm talking about evolution. Damn it. As time goes on, some of these hoofed animals, these gazelles, are going to have a little baby that's not colorblind. And that baby's going to be like, dude, look out. Look, there's a giant orange thing over there. Guys, stop, stop, stop. And then that dude will live longer and have more babies because he's not dumb and trying to eat green tigers. And then his kids will pass on that mutation and it'll get better. And then a million years from now, they won't be being eaten by tigers. They'll be in space. They'll have taken over the planet gazelles with little space helmets on Venus. But they'll keep evolving. Their eyesight will keep evolving until eventually they can see the tigers. And then, I guess, in theory, then the tigers just change a different color They'll evolve so they can keep eating gazelle. The whole thing's weird, but my point is is that what if humanity evolves to the point just through freak evolution, humans haven't evolved to see ghosts everywhere and see all the phantoms and the boogeymen and the creatures. Actually, now that I think about it, evolution isn't always good. What if we used to be able to see these things and they horrified us We wouldn't go out to hunt. We feared the darkness. We feared the creatures of the night. And those people who were truly afraid stayed at home and slowly starved to death. When the people who couldn't see them went out and hunted and gained food and lived longer. What if we used to be able to see these things and our eyes have devolved to the point where we can't see the paranormal as a survival mechanism If you knew the Boogeyman was real, would you ever go outside in the dark? Interesting theory. Interesting theory I just came up with. I thought we were going to have a future of seeing nothing but ghosts. But maybe ghosts is all we saw in the past. And we've evolved to ignore the real. Ultrasound, I'm going to toss you the keys to the dead rabbit dirigible. Let's fly away from Africa. We see the gazelles trying to evolve super fast. As invisible tigers are sneaking up behind them. They're like, come on, evolve, evolve, evolve. Maybe they'll get there. Maybe enough pluckiness will help them evolve eyeballs. But until then, we wave goodbye to the gazelles who are headed out to Brazil. Ultrasounds piloting the dead rabbit dirigible over the ocean. Now, I know some of you guys are going to think, hey, Jason, didn't you cover this guy before? First off, I'm going to say there is a very good chance that I will cover the same stories more than once. Because I'm 44 years old, so I forget stuff. I've had and what fourteen episodes at this point. Each one has two or three stories in them. I have a pretty good system for keeping track. The website deadrabbit.com actually has a search bar that you type in words and it'll pull up every episode. Th- those words are in the show notes. So I'll type in stuff like bag man or bag of bones and it will give me an idea of whether or not I've, co- I've covered both of those before. But this is not that story. I remember once, a long time ago, I don't remember what episode it was, there was this guy in Brazil, it was some old legend, he tricked his dad into eating his brother, or tricked his dad into eating his mom or something like that, and then he was cursed to carry a bag of bloody bones over his back for the rest of his life. And he lived forever. Now, that's not this story. Yes, this story does take place in Brazil. (laughs) it does involve a bag of bones and it does involve immortality but it's not that story it's a different it's a different guy with a bag of bones who's immortal but not the same story anyways we're in brazil <laughs> ultrasounds like a little he's like i don't know this might be the same story it's not ultrasound go ahead and bring this carpenter low we're in this little village and we're gonna meet a guy his name is romo Zeno. And Romo Zeno is a little boy. He's basically 10 years old. He's running around village. And he's a total jerk to everybody. Imagine if Dennis the Menace and Bart Simpson had a kid. And then that was raised by Cartman. That is Romo Zeno. He is kicking over plants. He likes to destroy things. He loves to torture animals. So not a good guy. Not a good fellow. And one day, the worst combination is when you have someone who's really mean and someone who's hungry at the same time. His mom says, hey, Romozino, I know you're like a total undependable jerk and everyone in town hates you, but I have a, a journey for you. I'm going to give you this chicken. I'm going to put it in a box, not a bag, not a bag. That's from that other story. I'm going to put it in a box, and you take this chicken out to your dad, who's working. And Romozino, who's always, like, you know, pulling the wings off flies, like, that's cruel, but he's about to take it to the next level. He's walking with this chicken, he's going to his dad's place of work, and he gets hungry. He's like, you know, after a long day of torturing animals, I have to eat a chicken. So he eats this chicken, and he realizes, oh, wait, this is my dad's lunch. He goes, I don't know, I'll figure something out, I'll make up a story. So he brings this box of bones to his dad. And he goes, hey, dad, how you doing? Dad's like, dang it, you came here, you big weirdo. Son puts down the box and goes, here's your lunch. Mom sent me this with your lunch. Dad opens it up. It's just a bunch of bones. And he goes, whoa, whoa, Zeno. What's going on, bro? Like, where's my chicken? And Zeno goes, oh, you know what? You're, every time you leave for work... Uh, this other dude shows up and hangs out with mom all day long and I'm pretty sure they ate the chicken. Um, so that, that ha- that's happening right now. That, that's my excuse for why I'm carrying. So the dad flips out and he goes back to the mom's house. Now at this point, Zeno is probably thinking, you know, I'm only 10. I don't really know the ramifications of saying another man's coming to the house. Maybe dad'll be mad. Well, dad comes home and he stabs the mom to death. And Romazino, I I hope he was shocked by this whole thing. I can't, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. He may have been well aware of what was going to happen, but the mom knew what happened. As she's being stabbed to death, she places a curse. Not on her husband. She doesn't blame her husband for whatever weird reason. She blames her son, and he, she turns to the son as she's being stabbed, and she goes, You lied, son. You lied. So I curse you with eternal life. You will walk. Until time is done. You will walk until you, you are the last human on the planet. And at that point, the dad probably should have maybe stopped <laughs> stabbing her and been like, oh, I was mistaken. He, for, okay, to be fair, he shouldn't have stabbed her at all. Whether or not the kid was telling the truth, he shouldn't have stabbed her at all. But this is the story. So she doesn't curse the husband for murdering her. We don't even know what happens to the husband. But she curses the son to walk to the ends of the earth. There's the old story of, like, the wandering Jew... This Jewish man who's cursed to walk the world for all of eternity. And he's apparently popped up in different time periods. He was like a Count, Count Germain or something like that. This is Brazil's version. But the wandering Jew at least like gets around and force gumps it into like historical events. (laughs) This dude never left Brazil. He's been hanging out there for who knows how many centuries at this point. And he has the ability to be immortal. He's going to live forever. He knows there's nothing he can do to stop it. So what does he do? Now, he's even more of a vandal. He will uh, actively attack people's houses. He uh, scares people. So you'll be walking down the street, and then a little kid goes, Boo, which isn't that scary in and of itself. I mean, it would be startling. You'll spill your coffee, but if the person pulling the prank is immortal, he's had a lot of time to work on his delivery. Also, they don't actually say that he's paranormal, but I'm kind of getting the idea that he's invisible or has some sort of teleportation powers but maybe that's just my retconning because they don't actually say that he does love now now that he's this immortal deity at this point he can never die he could be learning all sorts of languages or investing money no he's just going to run around he tortures chickens i don't understand how you would torture chickens or why you would torture chickens but he has this obsession with torturing chickens he has an obsession with chickens in general because he ate that chicken. Apparently that was part of the curse. The mom, the mom didn't say that part. But you'll also be obsessed with chickens. This is why I'm telling this story. One, I think it's absolutely a bizarre legend. Two, there is a series of children books based on this guy. He's like a Dennis the Menace character over there. Um, He did get his mother slaughtered by his father. He does torture animals, but there's a series of children's books and they show him like standing there with four broken windows and he's like hiding his slingshot. There's one where he's jumping out from behind a Christmas tree blowing a trumpet right in Santa's ear. Like really, really jerk stuff. The funniest one was he's sitting underneath the tree relaxing and there's a songbird in the tree and he's playing a (laughs) boombox. He brought a boombox and set it next to the bird and hit play. And then there's a bizarre hidden cover I can't find. They only show half of it online. I looked all over for it. There's one of like a scarecrow looking worriedly over his shoulder. And then you can't see the rest of the- I have no idea what Romazino is planning on doing to this scarecrow. It's kind of, that makes it even more terrifying. The scarecrow, knowing what he did to Santa, what is he going to do to the scarecrow? But the scarecrow is just kind of looking, uh, weird. But the reason why I want to talk about this—if anyone—if anyone can tell me what happens to the scarecrow, I'd love to know. The reason why I'm talking about this is that he has a redemption story, but not like a huge redemption arc. But just that they say sometimes he helps out. One day, uh Romazino was walking through the woods looking for someone to scare or chicken to torture, and he sees a woman in her house giving birth, and there's no midwife around. And Romazino's like, "Ah, uh, hmm." Well, I have nothing better to do. There's no chickens to torture. He actually feels bad for the woman. He goes and he finds a midwife in town and then scares her chickens. And the midwife wakes up and is like, what? What's going on out there? And she comes out. And then Romazino starts, like, kicking this chicken down the road and chasing this chicken. And the midwife is chasing the chicken. And then the chicken runs into the house. And the midwife goes into the house and the woman's... In birth, and the midwife successfully delivers the baby. That's what makes me think that he's invisible. Because otherwise, the story wouldn't be that he chased the chicken. It would just be that some 10 year old boy was running on the street, and people were like, hey, that's Romozino. He owes me like $500 every time he scared me when your coins fell out of my pocket. So he does have that redemption arc. The reason why I wanted to tell that is that it's going to lead right into our next story. Ultrasound 700. Let's hop in that carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Brazil. We're headed out. To Bible Times. <laughs> Specifically, Bible Times isn't a location unless it's some theme park. We're headed out to Azotus, which is a city in what's now known as Israel. We land, it's all dusty and there's like dust-covered buildings. Everyone's wearing dust-colored clothes. We land the Carpenter Copter. It's old time, Bible time. This is New Testament era. So this would have been like 34, 35 AD. We're walking around. Recently, you know, books, there's apocryphal books of the Bible. There are books that just didn't make the cut. And I read this really interesting article recently about a bunch of books of the Bible that didn't make the cut. It was actually this article. This article was in Live Science. It was on LifeScience.com. You can see it in the show notes. But really what they're doing is they talk to a man named Professor Tony Burke. He's an expert on early Christianity, and he recently published a book called New Testament Apocrypha. More non-canonical scriptures, volume two. So these are books that didn't make the cut in the Bible for various reasons. And it's interesting because apparently there was a lot of fan fiction in the Bible, not in the Bible itself, but there's a lot of fan fiction written post the Bible being put together, where it was really popular to write backstories. So Jesus was crucified on the cross and there were two thieves on either side of him. There was a thief on either side of them. And a lot of people have written backstories for these characters, for these thieves. I thought that was interesting. And he goes, they didn't make the cut because they were made up. They're just just stories that people were writing to try to give more context to what was going on. But one of these non-canonical scriptures, this isn't in the Bible, could have made the cut. It actually, a lot of times, these Apocrypha books were written way after, like I said, the Bible was constructed. So we're saying they're popping up in like 8th century, 12th century things like that. There was actually a book that is in his collection that's not in the Bible that seems to have been written around when they were putting the finishing touches on the Bible or, or close enough to that that it could have wormed its way in. So we're in Azotus and the Apostle Peter is walking around spreading the teachings of Jesus. And while he's in town, he hears rumors of seven angels who are also visiting. He's like, that's great. We can team up. We can get eight times the work done. Well, actually, probably four more than that. They're angels. They can preach at the speed of light. But I'm going to go hang out with these dudes. So he walks and he sees these guys hanging out in the town square. And everyone's like, you know, kind of like giving them high fives and stuff like that. What's up, angel bros? And they're like fist bumping. And Peter's like, uh-oh. Like he, he's not like, that's my thing. I'm the fist bump guy. You guys are ripping me off he realized right away that there's something off of these angels. So he starts talking to him for a bit. And he's like, hey, guys, what's up? You know, we work for the same dude. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've heard about you, St. Peter. And he's like, St. Peter? What's a saint? And he's like, oh, no, 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 that happens later. That happens later. Sorry, spoiler alert. But you will be very famous someday, Apostle Peter. And as he's talking to him, he's kind of just like walking around. And he starts kind of dragging his foot in the dirt. And the angels don't really pick up on what he's doing. But apparently they can't look down. I didn't know that angels can't lower their gaze. He draws a circle around him in the dirt with his foot. And then as they're just still having this casual conversation, he interrupts them and goes, by the power of God, reveal these creatures to me. And then it turns out, I don't know if there was any special effects or anything like that, but that did deserve a sound effect. It turns out that these were not angels. They were actually demons. These seven angels were demons, which is what a demon is. A demon is a fallen angel, and that's what these guys are. But he goes, okay, guys, what's a, first off, that fist bump belongs to me. And they're like, okay, sorry. He goes, secondly, reveal yourselves. Because a demon actually giving you its name is... I could almost do a whole episode on names. I've actually thought about doing an episode on that, or maybe at least a segment on the power of names. But getting a name from a deep, because it goes deep. It goes deeper than this. But getting the name of a demon is really important to being able to defeat them. In this case, he's getting their sins, what they represent. So you have all these demons. And he goes, what do you, who are you? And the first demon goes, I'm the demon of deception. The next one was the demon of lust. Then we have the demon of falsehood standing there. You don't know if he's telling the truth. He's like, I'm the demon of falsehood as I shift from side to side. The demon of adultery the demon of greed, the demon of slander. There's a lot of liars in that group, which would actually make sense because they are coming to deceive people. So you would want to bring down your deception A team. You'd want to bring down deception, falsehood, and slander. And then you got greed, adultery, and lust, you know, just so the weekends aren't boring. That's your dream team. But there's seven angels standing there and six of them have admitted what they are demons of. The last demon standing there and Peter goes, hey, So who are you? And that demon goes, hey, man, what's going on? Why are you picking on us? Peter's like, what are you? Why? Because you guys are demons. The war in heaven. Don't you guys remember that? It was like yesterday for you. It's been millions of years for us. Demon goes, no, 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 no. Why do demons get treated so badly? See, you don't understand. You don't understand what it's like to be a demon. He says, I'm going to paraphrase here. But this demon says, listen, God loves humans. And no matter what you do, he accepts you into the kingdom. You guys can be prostitutes. You guys can be tax collectors. Because back then, that was a bad thing. IRS, IRS is not me. He, he specifically names prostitutes, tax collectors, deniers, blasphemers, slanderers. He will invite them into the kingdom. Why not us? why not us? He goes, listen, there's so many Christians now, there's not even enough souls to corrupt. Why are we being picked on? People make their own choices. They were given free will by God. He goes, if they are allowed into heaven, why aren't demons? Why don't we get to repent? A tax collector after, after doing his job and working for 20 years for the U.S. government and retiring on the last day he's alive, he can repent for all those times that he sent Jason those letters about liens and levies. And he'll go to heaven. But me, a simple demon, will never go to heaven. Why? It's not fair that God favors humans. It's just not fair. And he goes... God gave humans free will. They make their own decisions. Sure, we may tempt them, but they decide to do it. They make the choice. And yet, they still find paradise. It's ridiculous. It's not fair, Peter. I'm not giving you my name. I'm not telling you what type of demon I am. It's not fair that we are locked out of heaven. And Peter stands there and he's looking at this demon and a six-demonic friend standing behind him. Peter erases the circle he's drawn in the sand, turns, and walks away. He lets the demons go. Fascinating story. And it's something that I've actually talked about on this show before way early on. Can demons be redeemed? And in early Christian theology... The theory was, yes, they can. And, I, and, and this ties into the story with uh, Romazino because c- could someone like that, could a cryptid, could a spirit be redeemed? This is the same thing. There is in the Islamic tradition a story of jinn hearing uh, the Prophet Muhammad speak the Quran, and they convert to Islam. So you do have that in the Islamic religion. In the early Christian religion, you had philosophers say, yes, Yes, it is possible that demons can convert to Christianity. Then we get to St. Thomas Aquinas. This was a terrifying way to look at it. He says, demons have ultimate knowledge. They know everything. And humans don't. So when you make a decision, when you make a decision to eat a barrel of ice cream, a whole barrel, like eight gallons of it, I guess a better example other than that would be something like drinking and driving. Like, you know the risks involved, but if you knew for a certainty, 100%, if you drink and drive tonight, you will run over a young boy, you know that for a fact, then you wouldn't do it. You may take that risk, but humans don't know the future. He goes, demons do. Demons know the second when they decided to rebel against God, they knew exactly how the story would end. Therefore, they cannot be redeemed because they have ultimate knowledge, because they know everything. Their free will, he defined as instantaneous and final. They knew the outcome the second they made the decision. We can have possible outcomes. If I ask this girl out, this, these possible things may happen, but you don't know the future. He, they do. Therefore, they can never be forgiven. That's actually terrifying honestly like to have that level of knowledge how would you'd almost want not want to make any decision but then even that would be a decision in of itself to not make any decision i find the idea though of can demons be redeemed there i read a horrible story the other day it was about this guy he was a congressional staffer congressional staffer he was also a pro-life advocate so he was doing these speeches against abortion Every baby is precious and needs to be saved. He was recently arrested with baby-child pornography. It's bizarre to think that that man can be redeemed and go to heaven, and a demon can't. that's a demonic act. That's a demonic act that a human is choosing to do and i find that so odd i find that such an odd um decision you know for for reality to be made like that i mean if you don't believe in religion or the afterlife or stuff like that then this is just a fun little ghost story you're like that last part wasn't fun but you know what i mean like but if you are religious those those are the quandaries that religious people look at like if this guy does believe and is redeemed he gets to go to heaven, but this demon, this demon who's the tax collector demon, the, the, the fraud demon from the year 1300, who was like, oh, yeah, you should collect extra taxes from that serf. That guy doesn't get to go to heaven. That demon can never be redeemed and go to heaven. But this sicko can. That's an interesting question, and I don't have an answer for it. I would like to see that demons could go to heaven. And I would like to see Lucifer apologize and go to heaven. To me, I think the greatest future is a is a future of an empty hell. Nobody's there. Everyone is lifted up. And, you know, the thing with religion, a lot of times you end up kind of interpreting it yourself and you don't know how accurate it is and and things like that. But. That's always been my hope. Like, I like researching all this spooky stuff, but it would be dope that at the end of the story, everyone is together. It's me and you and Mormon Bigfoot and Zenos running around. And then we're like walking through paradise. We're walking through this beautiful afterlife and we see like seven seven uh, demons standing out in the corner. And I'm like, hey, those are those, those, those lust demons from that episode I did. Uh, now we're on episode 10,000 before I died. But... And we hold up a little toast to that dude. That would be great. That would be great. Is it possible? Who knows? The Apostle Peter showed these demons mercy. And even though this isn't an official book of the Bible, maybe it should be. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash Radio. Twitter is at Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, and I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.